Uh, welcome to Basic Snitches. <laughs> How are you coping with your social distancing? I have to go to work tomorrow. No, I just miss doing things. We've been doing a lot of like the game nights. It's okay. Yeah, for me, because I'm completely from home. Like I'm working from home. Like this is the new normal for you because you only have to go out for work. And then whenever you are interacting with somebody, it's digitally. It's a little bit different, Mm -hmm. which I guess I didn't really think about, but. I guess that's true. From my point of view, this is something that I've almost completely adapted to. I've been at home now for about a full month, only leaving for essentials. Today I went to the grocery store and I spent a lot more money than I expected to, but now I have alcohol, which is good because obviously today we are recording two episodes and we can't just do this with no alcohol. So, but I have cleaned my house and I rearranged my bedroom and I'm dyeing my hair purple. I put a poll on Instagram to ask people and it was going to be a color that didn't rhyme with anything. And that's not orange. I've never fucking dyed my hair orange. I would look like a goddamn gigantic Oompa Loompa. And so it was purple versus silver on Instagram. I'm not kidding you. I had a ton of votes. I had like maybe 50 votes. 50-50 on Instagram. (laughs) The Facebook people, they were the ones who beat it because purple won by a landslide on Facebook but it was like eight people who voted. So yeah, I'm waiting for my purple hair dye to arrive and we're gonna see how this looks i figure this is a good time to experiment and if i don't like it then i can order brown hair dye on the internet and get rid of it by the time that i'm allowed to go out in public again well you could just let it grow out a little bit who cares very long purple hair with big ass brown roots you probably will want to go back to your actual real hair color you're not like me who is just like oh this is close Mm -hmm. Well, who knows? I was talking to Ryan yesterday, one of our friends, Ryan, and he said, I kind of wanted you to do purple and silver. And I was like, well, it will probably be silver one day because this bitch never going bald. I'm a hairy yeti. So this might inspire me and I might just go from color to color. This could be my new chapter of life. There's something wrong with that. That's right. Tara's a multicolor. Well, I've not dyed it purple. I've never been allowed to. Yeah, that's true. I was talking more about your personality you are very multicolored well yes <laughs> what are you drinking out of your sippy cup menage trois. oh yeah menage trois. she wants to have a threesome with me but too bad we have to social distance get out of that one me in this bottle of wine menage trois minus one <laughs> yes yes did you know that in french menage trois means housework of three what mm-hmm. that's what it literally translates to <laughs> Like, that's a through line for this season is French shit. French shit and food. I like food. I like food. I like French shit. I am drinking the last bit of my giant bottle of vodka that I was almost completely out of vodka. And today when I braved the stores, I picked up a new bottle of vodka. So now I feel comfortable draining my new, my old bottle of vodka. And I have it with that, this delicious new sparkling water. Aha. The peach and honey flavor. Sponsor us, aha, basicsnitches at gmail.com. Thanks. No, the aha is good. I also picked up a black cherry and coffee. Yeah. It's so interesting. I can't wait to try that one. The Ethel Ginger is very good. Yes, it is. I agree with you. All right, you ready to do this? We're already doing it. What am I saying? We're going to talk about Picker 7, The Bogart in the Wardrobe. right. Do you want to do the thing? You're, well, I'll do the you're thing. The thing.
you do the thing. You always ask me if I want to hear it. You should just be like, I don't give a fuck what you think. I'm going to tell you. I'm just being polite. Don't be polite. I'm a rude asshole to you all day. <laughs> well, I'm just preparing myself, I suppose. <laughs> okay. I think it's pretty clear who loses chapter six. Wait, uh, let me remember. Hold on. Draco. Draco does lose chapter six. I was going to say. He sucks. Um, and also, he basically gets what's coming to him. Honestly. He sure does. Yeah. And the winner of the chapter is McGonagall, just because I love her response to the who did Trelawney say was going to die this year and like just the way she handles it. She's a queen. Yep. She nips it in the butt and moves on. I also need to address something. In the last episode, I destroyed the Trelawney counter. Literally, it took me so much extra time just to edit in all those extra sound effects. So right now, we're just calling it. Trelawney counter beat the shit out of the Neville counter. How many times do you think I said Trelawney so, so far this season? 57. Whoa. Calm down. Not that much. Are you sure? I you are only 20 off. <laughs> Don't say 77. <laughs> huh, okay. 37, 37. Which that is 20 over what the Neville counter was. So I have <laughs> over... No, I have not over doubled. That's not how math works. I almost doubled what the Neville counter is. That's sad how math works. Yeah, so I fuck that. I'm not putting in that cork thing again. I'm sorry if you enjoyed it. I can't imagine it if you did, but... I kept being like, oh my God, again, again, you're going to talk about this bitch again. Yes, I like her. I don't approve of some of her teaching methods. But anyways, Tara wrote me a beautiful summary. It's short. The title of this email is chapter seven, the shortest summary ever, maybe. And it is. It's very nice. <laughs> okay. The Bogart in the Wardrobe. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy? <laughs> You sure you only had your first bottle of wine? You didn't start before you wrote this? I think that my phone wanted it to say that. Draco Malfoy is a ridiculous drama queen. After the mishap in Care of Magical Creatures, Malfoy milks his injury for all that it's worth and skips a bunch of classes before showing up in potions. Potions goes as expected. Ron doesn't manage to hold his temper. Draco baits Harry. Harry throws things at Draco. Snape harasses Hermione and Neville. Oh, and he tries to poison Trevor, which is really awful. Enough with the animal cruelty, please. Finally, it's time for Defense Against the Dark Arts, and Lupin has them put away their books because they're going to do a practical lesson, which sounds kind of dangerous given the fact that they've learned zero last year, but it actually turns out to be a super fun lesson on tackling fear, and what's this? A Defense Against the Dark Arts professor who may actually know something? So, Boggarts turn out to be something that doesn't actually have a set form. No, it senses your biggest fear and then turns into that. It sounds truly terrifying, yet interesting. The class gets to phase one, and it turns out to be a list of truly horrifying things. And Harry is getting ready to prepare for it to turn into a Dementor for him when Professor Lupin ends class. He is much more generous with house points than anyone else has ever really been, including giving Neville a very well-deserved 10 points. Oh, and apparently Lupin is afraid of crystal balls, which honestly is a fair thing to be afraid of. Or maybe it's something else. Mm. Maybe, just like Neville is afraid of Professor Snape, maybe he's afraid of Professor Trelawney. He could be. Honestly, that's an interesting storyline. It could be. I'm not against I it. I mean, if Trelawney knows anything about, like, predicting people's... <laughs> I was going to say ailments, but uh, futures, futures, presents, past all of that, then she might probably be like, that bitch a werewolf. I know it. 
No, that was interesting to put that crystal ball thing in there because it's something already on the top of our head, you know? I like it. Yeah. That was very nice. It was very short. Let's jump into it. Okay. Okay. So at the um, beginning of the chapter, as you said, Draco Malfoy is milking shit and being a little bitch, which is what he always does. So, I mean, expect the expected. And then they go to potions. And this potions class is fucking bullshit. It is a lot of bullshit. Yes. Not only what JK actually says about how if it was Harry arriving late, then he would have gotten detention. Not just like, oh, Malfoy's here, blah, blah, blah. Like pointing out that. But just everything from the poisoning of Trevor. Like, whoa, this is a new level, I think. What a piece of shit. Yes. And then asking the boys to help him. And then when Hermione helps Neville, taking points away from Hermione, because she saved his toad, like, everything there is just a fucking dumpster fire. Well, I mean, we see Snape treat Hermione like shit plenty. Mm. But this chapter is just another sign that he shouldn't be a teacher. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because... Of the ways that Snape shows up in this book, I guess, and the way that he is, like, interacting with Lupin, clearly he's probably a little bit pissed off still that Lupin is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher and he's taking it out on these students on top of already being just kind of an asshole. I think that's a big part of it. Because in the next chapter, we learn that he is, in a way, also helping Lupin for some reason. It's a weird, conflicted thing that we continue to see throughout the series until the end and find kind of figure out Snape's role in all of this. So I wonder if this is that escalating a little bit more in that, okay, well, I'm going to help things out, but I'm not going to be a nice guy doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think another part of it, and I think I touched on it in an earlier chapter, and we're going to learn more about it throughout the rest of the series. Like, he's resentful of Lupin. And I think he's even more resentful because he's helping Lupin. We all know he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Taking out the Lupin angle, I just think that he's such a piece of trash in this chapter. Yeah, oh, 100%. I'm trying to, like, think things through of, like, okay, why is it so much worse now? I mean, that's the reason, definitely. But in the past, I've tried to, you know, try to be the devil's advocate for some people. And, like, you can't in this case you touched on it in one of the last chapters that he is holding a grudge against something that happened when you were kids look at you trying to very carefully pour that wine in your sippy cup oh my god look at her oh she's turning red you are a multicolored hoe (laughs) listen i was trying to not disrupt the recording but i also needed wine yeah well you better believe it. If you're pouring more wine in there, I'm going to announce it, especially because you have a sippy cup. I'm very jealous of your sippy the cup. Wine sippy cup. Yes. I wish that you guys could see this. You'll probably post Instagram like the day of. Yeah, I can post the day Instagram. Oh my God. It's amazing. I'm very jealous. <laughs> You want a wine sippy cup? I'll get you one. Oh, hell yes. You also, okay, so wait, hold on. While we're on the subject of like gift, even Ostertag, who was one of our guests last season, got her these masks, these Harry Potter masks, and I'm so jealous of them. They're very cute. Well, I have to go into the world because I work in healthcare. So. Yeah. Essential, whatever the yeah, hell. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> I've already gone on that rant. Yeah. But being able to go out in public and do the grocery shopping and having the masks and stuff is, is very nice. Stephen did a beautiful job, and I am looking forward to wearing them. They're very, very cool. They, you already posted them to the basic snitches and stuff. I did. Yeah. Uh, and, and my own. Yesterday, which was April 8th. So go back and experience the past. Okay. Anyways, where were we? <laughs> 
No, I was thinking about Snape. Yeah, like, I try to sometimes think, okay, like, why is he doing this and whatever, whatever, who cares? He's being a dick in this case. And he's clearly, like, holding a grudge. As an adult, you know, you have to get over those things. You have to leave the past in the past, you know? It's so interesting how much we're talking about, like, past and future and stuff in this book. Clearly because of, you know, Trelawney shit, but also the time turner and everything. But mm-hmm. we learn more about Harry's past, too. So- do you want to move on from potions? Have we finished potions? Or do you want to talk about Malfoy? Oh, no, I don't want to talk about that bitch. Malfoy. Um, Malfoy. Ooh. Yeah, no, we don't need to talk about Malfoy anymore. We can move I, on. I do want to point out the, the his, like, baiting of Harry mm-hmm. and being like, oh, I know something you don't know. Can you think back to when you first read the book? Did you know that he actually did know something Harry didn't know? Or did you just go, oh, he's a fucking asshole? I probably was like, he's an asshole. He's just doing his typical thing. Part of me still, like today, I wonder, does he really know the whole thing? A lot of times when he talks about stuff, it is almost a telephone game from what Lucius Malfoy said to Narcissa. And then he just repeats it, I feel like. I think I agree with that. But that actually doesn't mean that he doesn't know anything. He knows more than Harry. Well, yeah. I think that whatever conclusion he's come to based on what he's heard through whatever channels that started with his Death Eater father, I think it's fascinating to think about why a child would say that to another child. I'm curious to know what it is that Draco thinks he knows. He clearly knows that there's something to do with Harry's parents' death. He probably knows the general understanding that the Ministry of Magic has about Sirius Black, that Mr. Weasley is trying to keep from Harry, the deeper stuff. But like the fact that he thinks that way, I think comes from his father. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think that he knows that much i think he just knows the basics i think he wishes harry knew so he could bait him more because that's his favorite thing to do because he's a piece of shit yeah i also kind of wonder draco kind of knows at this point a little bit of harry's like personality and his tendencies and stuff and Mm -hmm. if he knows that Sirius black killed his parent then i think he would be more likely to go out and go after him too obviously we have more of the book to go through we're not quite there yet but I think that's probably something that Draco is thinking as well. It's terrible. Like, it's him trying to just always get the upper hand and always get attention and blah, 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 blah. Fuck Malfoy. <laughs> so then we go to Defense Against the Dark Hearts. Before they actually, like, do any school things, Lupin gets at peace and it's great. Yes, I wrote this down to the Wadi Wasi curse or jinx or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Yeah, that was really cool to see that. Because uh, I was like, oh yeah, Peeves is still here. I kind of forgot about him for a second. Then they have this very practical Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson. Um, they better not get used to that because in a couple books, they're only going to have a book to go on. I think it's really sad that Neville is afraid of Snape. You shouldn't be afraid of a teacher. You're right, but can you recall teachers that you were kind of afraid of? If someone were to ask me what I'm afraid of most in the world, I would never list any of my teachers that I have been afraid of in the past. Well, no, but like... Again, they're 13, so still, that's a little bit old. But let's say that they were, you know, eight or nine or something like that. Like, that's a little bit different, maybe. I could see that. But also, Snape is really torturous, too, so... That's my point. That's really sad. You always try to find the sad thing. How is that not sad? I mean, it is, but this is also a happy lesson. It is. (laughs) And Neville comes out being badass in the end. I'm just stating that it is very sad that a 13-year-old boy, literally after all of these terrifying things that happen and these other students that they see, 
mummies and shit and giant spiders, which, fair, terrifying. He's like, yeah, Professor Snape is the scariest thing. That's not good. Well, if you think about it, too, it's maybe one of the most realistic answers as well. For example, I always think of all the Disney villains. I don't remember who said this. It might have been someone I know or whatever, but I don't know who to give credit to for this. But someone mentioned that they find Gaston to be the most terrifying Disney villain because he's the most real. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Of course, this is a different world where things like mummies and giant spiders do exist. But in the same way, like he is focused on something that's a little bit more tangible and that is affecting him all the time rather than the whole mummy thing. Ron's, of course he's already handled that. So at the same time, like Ron has the complete like go ahead, like you be afraid of those giant spiders because you've encountered them. But that's what I'm trying to say is like, in a way, like it's sad, but there's also like this realism aspect to Neville's that I think I also kind of appreciate. And it's kind of a little comedic moment too. and sets it up nice. Really what happens in the chapter. Seriously. Now, I do want to comment on like the brilliance of this lesson because they're using laughter in dark times. I think that alone is an amazing thing. Lupin was obviously there when the Dementor thing happened on the Hogwarts Express and everything around them is kind of enrobed in this feeling of despair and everything. So having this be the first lesson, I think is really, really brilliant. I imagine he probably thought that through kind of Unlike Hog, oh my god, I almost called Hagrid Hogwarts. <laughs> Unlike how Hagrid was like, I'm gonna go right in with the hippogriffs and stuff, which was, you know, a bold right. thing to do. But here I feel like he thought about it a little bit more and did it in a way that was playful and fun and okay and safe. I agree with everything you just said about that. It's very practical in comparison to Hagrid. Hagrid is trying to impress and be like, I want you to be as excited about this thing as I am. And Lupin is like, how can I get their attention and still teach them something? Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense too. To kind of go off of what I said a few minutes ago about how in a few books, they're only going to be like looking in their textbooks and everything with Umbridge. I also try to always think about like how people learn. A lot of these classes are very Mm -hmm. experimental and everything. And I can almost see this being one of the classes that isn't so experimental. So the fact that they get to be experimental in this class too is, is really, really nice. Oh yeah, I love this chapter. Me too. Similar to the last chapter in that it's the extension of classes, but I think you do get a little bit deeper into the storyline. There's more of the like details that come out about some of the characters in this book. And it's another one that's a journey. We think about the whole night bus and even the last chapter, we were like, wow, that was a long fucking day too. <laughs> This one starts off in such a terrible place and it ends up nice at the end between potions and defense against the dark arts. Mm -hmm. I have two other things, both quotes from students. One is where the crystal ball shows up that Lupin is scared of and how Lavender Mm -hmm. points it out. And I like that Lavender because it shows, you know, her like obsession with Gwen, Sybil. But then the other one that I really, really enjoy and I need to look it up because I don't remember what it is. And I put a date down instead of a page number. So. Well, there's that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) it's not a date what the quote is because the date that i would have put down is september 10th what would it have been for you said ron snickering 
a piece of homework that only got nine out of 10. So it's not a date. But I like that. That's one of those other moments. Um, you talked about it with Sir Cadogan in the last chapter. Ron's like sassy moments. Oh, sassy Ron. Oh, he's great. There was a great sassy Harry moment in this chapter or something toward Malfoy, I think. I do love when they're sassy. You know, I always find myself noticing sassy Harry more. But now I really am kind of keyed in a little bit more to sassy Ron. I want to be careful because out of the three, I think it's easier for me to kind of shit on Ron. But I'm finding a little bit more in this read through kind of light moments of Ron. And I'm also kind of finding the like issues with Hermione, which I think is good. I'm glad that I'm reading it in a way that is a little bit more fair between them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can I say one more thing on the chapter before we oh, go to the movie? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about how at the end of the chapter, Harry is like disappointed because he did not get to face the Boggart. I just find that so relatable. Like when there's like a moment where someone else gets to show that they can do something, but you don't get that opportunity. I think a lot about the fact that like we do theater and this is not like a specific thing, but there's all these times where like, if you go into an audition and you're doing a cold read or something and you get to read and you think you're doing a good job or whatever, but you really wanted to read this other thing and you don't get to, and you're just like, oh, I was not given that opportunity to really show what I can do. And like Harry has started this year off feeling like, God, I passed out on the train. People think that I can't do anything. Professor Trelawney says I'm going to die. I feel like as this was starting, he was thinking about how the Boggart would turn into a Dementor for him. And he was like, okay, how can I make that funny? Like he's preparing to do what Harry does, which is kind of show off. You know, I don't think he's purposely ever showing off in these earlier books. It just kind of happens and then he's successful. I feel really bad for him. That's really, really good. And you said some things there that I hadn't really thought about. First of all, it's totally related. That's like one of the things that I struggled with at the beginning of like this social distancing thing is like missed opportunities. Like obviously the show that I was cast in, that's postponed. And I had a lot of travel lined up from April to June that is definitely not happening now and things like that. So it's like the missed opportunities thing. But in this setting too, being able to show, like you said, what he's able to do it also makes me think because everything that you said is a consequence of people trying to protect harry throughout this series the spotlight is always on him and i hadn't really thought about it but in each book it's like slightly different like in the first it's like oh famous harry potter is here and then in the second everyone thinks that he is the heir of slytherin and now it's that everyone's trying to protect him. And so then in the next book, obviously, it's because everyone thinks that he did something that he wasn't supposed to do that put him back in the spotlight. We'll get yeah. I don't have the brain capacity right now to think of the last three books. But no, nope. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the, there, there's a lot that happens between now and then anyways. So it's very interesting to see that because there are these memes and sometimes I even think about it it's like oh my god what are these other students thinking like it reminds me of the end of the last movie just Hagrid goes right up to them and they all start clapping and it's fucking horrible like, yeah, I hate it. it makes me think of like what are the students always thinking in these moments like oh my god now we got these fucking sheets with teeth because of Harry we gotta protect Harry with these goddamn sheets <laughs> So it's interesting. There's so much in that moment that I'm glad that you brought it up because obviously it's an important element of the next chapter too, but it's important to like start it now, I think. Oh my God, before we get to the movie, because I was like, that's such a good transition to the movie. Fuck that transition. Fuck Mary Kill. Oh yeah. 
Okay. Since we're talking about Bogart, mm-hmm. fuck Mary Kill, Snape Bogart, Spider Bogart, <laughs> Mummy Bogart. I think I'm gonna have to kill the Spider Bogart. Ooh, you don't want those big old Spider Bogart puss. Spiders are terrible. Um, I'm gonna fuck the Snape Bogart. <laughs> Whoa! I guess I'm gonna have to marry. Completely unexpected. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to bury the mummy bogger. I'm just gonna lock it in the closet, okay? Let's be clear. Oh my god. Yeah, you wanna get wrapped up in that mummy. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I don't think I can fuck the snake bogger, man. <coughs> I think I'm gonna kill the snake bogger. I'm gonna fuck the mar- the I'm gonna fuck the Mary Bogger. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna fuck the mummy bogger for the same reasons that you said and wanting to, you know, get wrapped up in that uh, that's not a good joke. Why am I saying it again? And then I think I'm gonna marry the spider bugger because he got eight hands and he can do a lot of housework at the same time, you know? He can like wash the dishes and cook dinner and sweep the floor and everything. And I can just like sit in the corner being drunk. And that spider's gonna be like, I'm gonna divorce your ass. I'm gonna be like, you wish you could. I got a prenup on your ass. Too bad it's a bogger, so it's gonna change into whatever when someone comes over. That's right. And I'm gonna get pissed off at it and be like, you better stop changing. I didn't marry you just so you could change every single time some other motherfucker comes up in my house. It's not gonna be a happy marriage, let's be clear, but I'm not marrying Snape. And I'm also not gonna fuck that spider. I don't want a big old spider puss. That's your thing. <laughs> we already established that I changed my mind on that one. Oh yeah, you were gonna fuck that snake too. You took my answer because I was like, I'm gonna fuck that snake. And you were like, yeah, me too. Fuck that spider. Not fuck that spider, kill that sp- You know what I mean. I honestly think this is the first time maybe that i really enjoy the movie's interpretation i think that the movie does a good job of telling us what we need to know without all the things yeah i'm sorry but the bogart sequence is hot it's it is so cool like in the book ron conquers the spider by letting its legs fall off i'm sorry the way the movie does we're getting spider Yes, it's funnier and it's so much cooler to look at and more creative. The mummy isn't in the movie. Who cares? It's the snake and the clown, which mm-hmm. part of me is like the clown is more terrifying than the snake, but. <laughs> they did a good job making the snake kind of terrifying, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not as terrifying as the basilisk. Right. The whole thing with the Victrola, too, and that playful aspect, it's such a good scene. It's so well done. I think that the best way to handle that is to put it in some kind of like musical sequence there. Mm. I also appreciate that obviously can't be reading inside Harry's head in the movie. So I think showing the Dementor before Lupin jumps in is really good for telling the story. Mm-hmm. It also just enhances the fact that Harry has this fear of Dementors, which you're like, oh, that looks even worse for him. Yeah. Dementor shows up, Lupin's like, I got it, it's fine, dude. Mm-hmm. Harry's like, are you kidding me? What the hell? Yeah. But it's a really, really cool chapter as far as like how it's depicted in the movie. And I think that that segment is maybe less than three minutes and it still manages to tell us the story we need. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that because I was going to say one thing that I almost wish is that it was a little bit longer. Well, yeah, it would have been cool just to see more. Yeah, like I would love, love to see the mummy 
I would have loved to see what actually does show up for Hermione. I would have almost liked to see what Draco sees and then see him not be able to like conquer the Bogger. That would have been fun. Well, yeah, because if you're going to have Draco in the scene, I really would have liked to see him attack Bogger too. But my personal opinion on that is that's too much for the director and the designers to come up with that would be creating new canon, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't like the fact that Malfoy is there just so that he can say the class is ridiculous, I guess. And I'm glad that that potion moment is not in the movie. But it's interesting that you say that too, because actually earlier today, I happened to see a YouTube video show up in my recommended. It's almost like the algorithm is listening to me or something, but it was why Flitwick's appearance changed for the third movie, even though it's the same actor. And the answer is simply that the new director didn't like how he looked in the first two. But then J.K. Rowling also was kind of like off-put by Christopher Columbus's choices in the first two. And like, that is not at all what I would have expected. And he's like a little bit too old looking. And that the second version, I can never remember the name of this director. His interpretation is maybe a little bit closer to what it is. That makes me almost wonder what other changes were made just because he was like, I like this better. At the same time, the reason why he like Flitwick is like that in this movie, originally there was not like a lot at all for Flitwick in the script. So he was like, well, and I have an idea. And it was the whole frog choir thing that we saw a couple chapters ago. And he was like, mm-hmm. I just want you to play the frog choir director. And he didn't actually know that Flitwick was the director of the frog choir. So it was going to be like a, yet another character that he was going to play that was separate than Flitwick. And it's like, wait a minute, the frog choir director is Flitwick? And I'm glad it kind of worked out that way. Yeah. I don't remember how we got onto this. It was, I don't know, something between... I think it's cool. Yes. Fine. Oh, creating canon. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I really do like this chapter. It it's very snappy in the movie, but um, it gets through all the points that I think are necessary. Here is who is getting points. Plus five to each trio member because of what happens both in potions and defense against the dark arts. They all kind of go through it a little bit in potions. Hermione ends up helping Neville, even though she gets punished for it. She isn't really as present, obviously, in Defense Against Dark Arts, but Ron coming up against that giant spider again and making his legs fall off or on roller skates in either case, I think was really great. Harry wanting to face the Dementor Boggart, but not being able to. So plus five to each of them. Plus since Neville, because he got 10 points in the book too, but Neville almost goes more through it than the three trio members. He almost gets his toad poisoned, and then he also has to face the Boggart first. Plus 10 to him. Plus 30 to Lupin, because he's a great teacher. He was very smart about this lesson, and he did it right. Negative 30 to Snape, because... On the flip side, a fucking terrible teacher in this moment, <laughs> in every way possible. And negative 50 to Draco, because I think he is even more sufferable in this chapter than he has been in the past. Like, I almost relate this to the Mudblood chapter in the last book. We're really getting too much Draco for my liking. <laughs> so, no, negative 50 from him. <laughs> so that's 5 to Harry Ron, Hermione, 10 to Neville, 30 to Lupin, negative 30 from Snape, and negative 50 from Draco. Nice. Next time, we are going to discuss the flight of the fat lady. Chapter 8. That's right. What do you think happens in that? Aunt Marge comes back. 
Fuck that bitch. She was up in space the whole time, and everyone's like, oop, she dead. Nope, she's back. And she's at Hogwarts now. <laughs> what was he doing with Aunt March were actually a wizard? She'd be terrible. She'd be like, give me some of that shrinking solution. I need it. I'm a big, bloated hoe. I would like some shrinking solution. I know. We already talked about the shrinking solution in a previous book and how I was like, I'm going to engorgio your titties and you're going to have the shrinking solution in the middle of the room. <laughs> so you're like, I knew you were going to do it. No, I know you want the shrinking solution. There are times when I also would be like, I want to engorgio too. What would I engorgio? I would engorgio my drink because it's empty and I don't want to walk into the kitchen. My drink is not empty. Wow, your drink is not empty. First time ever. Good for you. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but that was her like opening the sippy cup thing and being like, all right, I'm going to drink it now. <laughs> I'm just doing what I do, guys. <laughs> That's right. Just being your most authentic self. Tune in next time to see if we're going to be drunk because it's an odd episode. No, it's not. It's an even up. Is it an even episode? It's an even it's episode. An even. even ones are the drunk ones. I mean, I need a refill before I get to that point. So yeah, I just kept the bottle of wine next to me very good you could just drink from the bottle you know i thought about it and i mean if you just shove the bottle down your throat you don't have to worry about it spilling in you don't need the sippy cup anyway so i was trying to be a little more dignified today i believe our last recording session i did drink right from the bottle there ain't nobody there to judge you there's me but i do that anyways this is true yeah i could be sober you would still be judging me that's true that's what i do look at us both being our most authentic selves Cheers to that. Cheers to that. And cheers to you. Tune in next week. <laughs> Say goodbye to all the nice people, Tara. Bye. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch, Catch you later, later, snitches! snitches.